Good Morning have come along and just done this thing where they just put out this record. It's about to come out, my friend. It's called Barnyard. I think you're going to love it. I think it's going to give the amp a shake, the Australian Music Prize. I think a lot of people from overseas are really going to get into it because it just it, it's a very it's a huge range of sounds on the on this album, and you kind of get massaged in all different ways on your back. You know, you're like, oh, I didn't know you're going to go there. Thank you. We are talking to Liam Parsons from A Good Morning Today and Mr. Marcus Teague in our bonus episode. Take us back to when you were a wee tacker, Liam. Where did you grow up and what was the first bit of music that you heard that really had a big effect on you? Uh, I grew up in Briar Hill or Al- like Eltham, really, like the northeast suburbs of Melbourne. Shout out to Mount Selvet. <laughs> yeah. Mount Selvet. Yeah. First piece of music. I can't necessarily remember the first piece of music I remember hearing. I remember the first thing I got obsessed with was like the Spice Girls, really. My auntie... My aunt, my my auntie Meredith, a real life auntie Meredith, <laughs> gave me like a copy of the Spice Girls album, like Spice, the first one. What a G! You know, asked me fourth birthday, and it was I was done. I loved it. Was that a random gift, or had you already kind of like flagged the? I reckon I'd bangers. I'd flagged it for sure. I I think I quite clearly liked music. Like I had like a sort of you know, obvious response to it, pretty like keen on it whenever it got played around the house and would sort of just like sit in front of the like speakers. Ready for the full length. Yeah. <laughs> I can't remember flagging my Spice Girls love, but I'm sure I did. I was obsessed. I started a Spice Girls fan club in my bedroom. What? Had you come out at that stage? No, I hadn't come out, but I mean, yeah, I guess I had really. Like, <laughs> my brother started a, an anti-Spice Girls club in the oh, bedroom. Rude. Which fair, you know brothers my mum joined both which i've never forgiven her for so you are obviously playing it at volume i mean i don't know whose side to take here you're playing it at volume lots and lots and your mum was just basically saying stop right now tell you no <laughs> which sort of deep cuts i mean it's got who do you think you are to become one is 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 um something to become one i love to become one I still, I still love to be- i mean i still like them all but i love to become one that's a beautiful song <laughs> is this some interpretive dance moments? Did you present anything here? I definitely would have danced. I probably danced more then than I than I have ever since. Really, like <laughs> I've since grown way too self conscious to be able to dance that much. I mean, obvious question: Who was your favorite? I don't know why. I really liked Posh Spice, like which now I'm kind of like, huh, that's that's interesting. What all that says about You've got me? Similar cheekbones. Yeah, I'll ta- I'll take it. There's some good cheekbones. Dad and my brother are real big like Arsenal fans, and my other brother's a Liverpool fan but then mm. Posh Spice married David Beckham and I was like I'm a Manchester United fan like, <laughs> <laughs> I'm a passionate Man U fan I will yeah. be for life and I know everything about the game yeah I know everything oh, it's something when that that initial yo that yo when Wannabe first hit like no matter what you would you were lying to yourself if you didn't love that song immediately <laughs> oh yeah totally Marcus I'm sensing I like the thing. <laughs> no, Spice Girls missed me. Yeah, fair enough. I feel like it probably would have missed me. What about when I do the yo bit? My dad, God bless him, we got home early from church one day and he was running around the back, the backyard to spice up your life. Cranking it on, on the CD. La, la, la. Like he literally coming to see my dad, a, a 60-year-old Catholic school teacher. La, 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 la. <laughs> and he was going for it. And to this day, and he just, he, and to his credit, he stuck up for himself. He actually started a Spice Girls fan club. My mum joined the anti-Spice Club. It's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. It's a, it's, a, it's a common story. Yeah. Everyone's got one. 
I was done. Like I like read the liner notes and shit. Like I, like I like learned to read by like reading CD like booklets and shit. Just got mm. obsessed with like any CD that I could find. Really, something tactile. Yeah, I'm some, something to the, tactile. The comeback of CDs. CDs. Ooh, yeah. Everything comes back. Yeah, totally. It's going to be dope. I'm very much it. The CDs came in an A5 hardback booklet <laughs> with a collection of iconic images and a set of six Spicicles postcards. Ooh. Ooh. I don't know if I had that Post- deluxe edition, but very jealous. You missed out, bro. Yeah. Shout out to Liner Notes, though. I miss oh, Liner yeah. Notes. Absolutely. They're, that was, especially, yeah, growing up, that was such a little kind of like envelope to some other world, wasn't it? To their world. Yeah. It's part, yeah. Of, part of the world building. And I've been reading the In Excess Kick liner notes in the, in the reissue a couple of years ago. And it was like, fuck, no one believed in um, Need You Tonight. A guy mortgaged his house to do it. Like, because it's in five. <laughs> I think it's it's in a real weird time signature. And this guy's like, no, this is going to be a giant hit. And everyone at the label's like, you're wrong, mate. So he mortgaged his house just to be able to release that as a single. And history says he was fucking correct. There you go. Did he write the liner notes? <laughs> yeah. With his gold pen. Yeah. And I was right. <laughs> Fuck them all. I'll tell you a quick story about Michael Hutchins. So a guy, a, a sub-editor, a sub-editor at uh, the Herald Sun I used to work with, he'd, ha- he'd had his sort of moment in the 80s with one of his bands and like, you know, they kind of got a bit of notoriety and they end up supporting In Excess one night. And he said, Michael Hutchins came in early one night to meet the support band because he's a very, very nice human. He came in and he pulled out of this like black leather jacket, this giant bag of Coke and just like, and it was a rock and just like laid it down and he just said, see you guys later. And just gave them a big bag of Coke because there was a support act. Because, so probably, you know, someone's probably just given him drugs. He's like, I can't do all these drugs. I'll look after this support act. And I, oh, the way the dude, the sub editor told me, was like, you have dined out of this story and fucking you deserve to, <laughs> sir. Yeah. You wouldn't do it nowadays. Coke is too expensive. So, yeah. It is. Yeah. All right there, Buzzkill. <laughs> My modern version of that is I went to see The National on their, on their last tour. I knew the support band and, and went, hung out with them afterwards. And then after a while they came out and they were like, so the National, do you want The National's weed? Like they, <laughs> they've, they've got this big bag, but they forgot and they're flying back tomorrow and they need to get rid of it. <laughs> I was like, I, I feel like. Coke and in excess and weed in the national correspond really nicely as Very, they, yeah. <laughs> as that's beautiful outlet of choice. My national substance story is I um when I was sixteen we went and saw when like High Violet came out and they played at the Palais. Me and my friends were like obsessed. We went, we got like like we like queuing online to buy tickets kind of thing, and we got like the very front center row. Like I reckon we were the first people to buy tickets. It was then like Matt Berninger would always like get down. It was like Mr. November and he'd have his bottle of wine and he'd be passing his bottle of wine around and he like gave just like directly just like got a fresh bottle of wine and gave it to me like in the crowd and like oh. we were just passing it around like me and my friends and then like the next month's issue of Rolling Stone came out and it had this interview with Matt Berninger and it started with this anecdote and he was like yeah I just gave this 12 year old kid a bottle of wine <laughs> I was like motherfucker I'm 16 like <laughs> <laughs> how dare you yeah. A band that I used to be in once supported them on their boxer tour at the corner. They did that thing where all their stuff was set up all along the whole stage and they wouldn't let us set up our stuff except for this like 
two <laughs> foot narrow spot. gap along the front of the stage. Oh yeah, Dolores, Dolores. And then afterwards, that's the band. Sat with Matt on the the stairs out the back of the corner, and he was like, "Yeah, man, like when you come to New York, like look me up and all this kind of stuff." And it was only afterwards that it's like he he never gave me his number. He never gave me his email address. <laughs> <laughs> it's like that. Hit me up. <laughs> it's that thing you want to say to people when you you want them to leave. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> You've said that to me a few times. No, I'm kidding. That's good shit. <laughs> so we'll get to the national, I believe. But before then, uh, what's the next music that comes along and, and taps Liam Parsons on, on the back of the, the head and goes, over here? My parents, like, I'm pretty lucky. They liked pretty good music. My dad is really into, like, all sorts of shit. Like, loved a lot of, like, kind of dance music. And he loved pop music and, like, like the Pet Shop Boys and, like, Madonna and stuff. Uh, and Kylie. And my mum liked sort of, like, new wave music like a lot of like Elvis Costello and like shit like that so that was sort of like what I guess I grew up on Beatles stuff obviously there was lots of things I guess I got into on my own but probably when I was like 10 my friend Rowdy gave me a burnt CD copy of Speaker Box The Love Below that like changed my life that was like huge and then definitely around that time as well like Is This It and early Kings of Leon and shit like that, you know, like that yeah, kind of garage yeah. rock revival I was really, really keen on. Speaker Box or Love Below? Oh, Love Below. I mean, Speaker Box is great, but the Love Below is like the best album I'm of with all. You. Yeah. A lot just... of people say Speaker Box. A lot of people sort of push it push it above. That's fair. It's it's sick. It's amazing. But like the Love Below oh. is just I don't know. You can still hear it in so much shit that like wouldn't like you know, Frank Ocean and Tyler and like Solange and all this shit. Like it just, I feel like it owes a lot to, to that record. It's crazy. Just like the breadth, like the amount of shit places it goes. It was like the first time I'd ever really heard like jazz music or like there's that weird, like drum and bass cover of my favorite things and shit. Yeah. Like, it's just <laughs> fucking <laughs> weird, man. <laughs> yeah. It goes all over the shop. Yeah, I was um, obsessed. I impressed my girlfriend by singing singing uh, "Spread." It was on at Cinema Nova. Oh, yeah. we coming, we coming out of uh, a film, and it was only like third date in, and I just was like started rapping all the lyrics to "Spread," and she was like, "Oh, I like the guys that know the lyrics." I was like, "Oh, this is odd." <laughs> Quite, and, and then we went home, and that's all you need to know about that story, friends. There you go. Um, that album's another good example of what we were talking about before, where it's just like those guys have just created this little universe, and the the only possible way to interact with it is is that record. There's, yeah. there's nothing else like it. Hundred percent. Yeah. I've yeah. still got on my list of, of my bucket list. Learn every Andre three thousand lyric. Just <laughs> to go back in time. So I think that's one for. I'm in a retirement home. Um, just sitting in a, in an orb or a petri dish or something. Uh, tell us about. Did you ever get a chance to see Outcast? I know they came and played Splendor. I wish I was there. I didn't, I didn't get to go. Um, I did not. No. Yeah, unfortunately. Just, uh. it's, it's tough, isn't it? Any, any kind of moment where that song has helped you out of a, a song on the record. One of the records has helped you out of a breakup or, you know, made you feel invincible at a, at a stage of your life. No, really. My biggest memory is like truly just being like, I feel like it really opened a lot of doors to me. Like it's, I still listen to it a lot, but like there's not heaps of records like that kind of put me back in time and place. I feel like that used to happen to me a lot more. And now I kind of like, I've sort of like forgotten the times and the places sometimes, <laughs> but like that record just puts me back on like the playground, which is really, really weird. And I can't really listen to it without thinking about, about that, about just being like talking about it with my friends at school, quoting songs and like, yeah, singing at each other and like doing all the dirty bits and yeah, learning about <laughs> swearing was great. What was the stuff that you were listening to that started nudging you towards making music? 
was it you know the new kind of garage rock kind of stuff or something beyond that my i think is like i obviously liked musical like my mum started me with like piano lessons when i was pretty young so i could always kind of play a little bit but I think it's a pretty common story. Like, I didn't, I, I fucking hated it. Like, I really didn't like it. <laughs> and it's weird, like, there's a few, like, home videos of me now. And looking back, I was so much better at the piano when I was, like, eight years old than I am now. <laughs> like, now it's just gone. Back there, I was a little shredder. It was weird. <laughs> a little shredder. I started playing the drums when I was, like, t- uh, 11. I think my 11th birthday, like, my parents bought, like, a secondhand drum kit off their friends and um, gave it to me for my birthday. And me and my friends started, like, a cover band. And we were just playing, like, yeah. Like Stroke songs, Arctic Monkey songs, uh, Green Day was a big one. Huge into Green Day, White Stripes, like that stuff. Kings of Leon. Yeah. Which Green Day track? Really, it was the first one that you think of. Can't think of. I guess growing up, we had a cassette of Dookie that was like lived in the car, so I just immediately think of like Burnout, like like that drum fill coming in at the top of the record. Huge. So mate, in in the clip to Welcome to Paradise. When he just like keeps doing this one, it, <laughs> like, how do you not rip your whole head off, dude? Yeah, not yeah, really no good idea. one for the podcast, but just, <laughs> just flicking his, his head back and just, you know, it's almost like heading a goal for Man U or, you know, just to keep it topical. Um, <laughs> sickness. Kings of Leon are getting played heaps lately on Triple R. I feel like there's a real kind of appreciation. Really? Yeah, there's a real good appreciation for them. For a few years there, they were fucking killer amazing i know there's a lot of you think about them now and you kind of go Ugh. but then you go no no get over yourself and go <laughs> back into that first time you heard kings of leon some, some startlingly good records with a real their own sound and their own kind of their own vibe yeah i will ride forever for a hard shake heartbreak i think that is like mm. a flawless pop record it's so good it's like so snappy like everything's just like fucking in and out like it's like super like thrifty you know like it's no time for fucking around yeah. it's just like economical gets yeah, to the point thrifty. i feel like that's kind of where like love of songs that go for like two minutes kind of came from a lot of that sort of stuff yeah right just like verse chorus verse chorus done and that's obviously a big thing about you about your music and i think it's a classic showbiz leave them wanting more i think that's what you guys do and that's another another reason people are drawn to you is you don't have these kind of like, okay, let's have another middle eight and <laughs> and another pre-chorus and then let's do a key change. And- I would if I could, but like, I think I've just like never really learned, like learned how to do that. Talking about key changes the other day, like I don't know how to do it. Like <laughs> just like trip over myself. Like it just seems so hard. Which instruments are you proficient at? And, and what about Stefan? I, I usually play drums like most of the time. We both play guitar and keys and bass. But Seven's getting hoots better at drums, like, over the past few years. So he's, like, starting to play drums more. And it just kind of depends. Like, we try and do it, like, as much live as possible. So generally there'll always be one of us playing drums and one of us playing bass and switch it around and then keep going from there. Drums, bass, piano, guitar, synths. Stefan's trying to learn clarinet. I wouldn't mind learning, like, saxophone. It'd be kind of cool. But When you guys were coming together, what were your... Do you remember what your touchstones were? both for kind of like writing tunes, but also obviously as like fledgling engineers recording your own stuff. Mm. Do you remember what was kind of exciting you at at the time? When we started Good Morning, I guess because we got really into like tape machines pretty early on, like I think we realized that it just kind of made, we didn't have a lot of gear, but we'd like, you know, they were still pretty cheap back then because like nowadays they're quite expensive. But at the time, like you could pick up like a four track for like 150 bucks or something. So we like sort of bought, we like bought some of that shit and that kind of quickly 
set us on a vibe. I think we really liked, really liked like White Fence Alert, Tysagal, mm. Deer Hunter mm. Alert. Oof. You no, know, no one ever regrets listening to Deer Hunter. Sorry, to buddy. No one ever regrets. Like I've never gone. Oh, I should put something else on. I adore them, and Bradford Cox, like, as <laughs> as a gay, <laughs> like, uh, <laughs> Bradford Cox is just like the coolest like role model. You know, he would just, like, mouth off and, like, say really smart shit that was also just so stupid and dumb. And I was like, yeah, <laughs> I loved it. <laughs> and he was like, yeah, you just, yeah, he, he was just a fucking, the perfect front person for a band when I was, like, like 18. I loved it. Just, like, his kind of willingness to fuck with people and just, like, mm. make noise and kind of, like, not not necessarily care what other people think. But also you could tell mm. that he cared very, very deeply like, <laughs> it's like yeah, yeah. I, I, I loved him massive contradiction him. yeah yeah he, he's when he was interviewed on triple r a few years ago um someone said something to him about parties he goes i don't like parties i don't go to parties <laughs> I, that yeah, sounds like I a nightmare a party, job a party. interviewing bradford cox <laughs> nightmare wouldn't want it wouldn't want it <laughs> yeah 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 <laughs> yeah instead of uh i think he's from, from the lou reed uh kind of like you know what i'm gonna fuck with this person why not uh, D Hunter on stage at Meredith a few years ago. Do you guys remember this when I, Huntsman came on oh the stage God. and he like went no. full Flanders, full Flanders? I fully remember it. Yeah, there. that was great. And they started the song. <laughs> yeah. They were like four minutes into the song and then they just started it again because of the Huntsman. Yeah, and that, yeah, the, and the, the camera went and showed on the big screen how big the Huntsman was. It was a decent kind of regional Australian Huntsman. You yeah, know? that would be me. Oh, oh, that's yeah, me too. Yeah. I'm terrified. Can't do it. Yeah. yeah. I'll come over to either of your houses at any stage. I, I love getting rid of <laughs> I've never, th- I've, never th- removing them. I've never thought about that. And that's going to ruin all future Meredith performances for me as I'm scanning <laughs> the stage for all and the walls for any more announcements. Yeah, right? Are you are you headlining Meredith? I guess they're supporting local No, no, no. Even just standing there watching. Did you? There was one Meredith. This is going completely off track, but I've always thought about it. Uh, speaking of like just the the uh, stage area behind the there was one year maybe they do it every year but behind the mixes you know how there's the on stage mixer and they've got all the playing times mm. and then one year one year they were rating all the performances <laughs> so, what yeah so like you know oh, it'd be like so and so three thirty and then they'd finish. And then there'd be like a little rating system next to them about what the on-stage tech crew thought of the performance. Yeah, oh, which I always yeah. really loved. I wish I took a photo of that. In like That's in like five else. years' time, all the Meredith tech crew are going to be like, "We were wrong about this one. It's actually a four out of five. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, the the three thirty was actually a six. <laughs> well, Mark Seymour, he would have got a negative rating one year because he was great, but then he went overtime by 15 minutes, Ooh. which you do not do. Diva, Diva Meredith Mark Seymour. Like, yeah, yeah. He did like a like a 10-minute version of Throw Your Arms Around Me, just refused to get off the stage. <laughs> Poor Samuel T. Herring and the whole Future Islands band was clearly ruffled. They were Mark Ruffaloed, and they were not happy. He even said, he even said, and I'm sorry, guys, got to cut our set short because that other, other fucking guy didn't get off. <laughs> Yeah, I was like, all right, the no dickheads rule extends to the stage. Mark Seymour, that was some dickhead dickhead behavior. There you go. Mm, mm, holy fail. Friends, uh, we're still going. We've got about another 10 minutes of this uh, podcast to go. Tell us what, what else, what other music is really, which, was it you or Stephanie into Yellow Magic Orchestra? Uh, we both are. I think Stefan, Stefan's pretty keen on it. 
like Reiji Sakamoto and Harumi Hisono a lot. And YMO, I think just like a lot of that era, kind of like early synth pop music is like, there's something about it that just feels like really uh, good still, you know, like it's kind of still hits all the same spots. And I find a lot of that shit, like even like talking about New Order before, like New Order, I feel like has the same kind of thing, like just figuring out these new pieces of gear as they come across. And I guess as like music technology advances, there's less of that. Like there hasn't been as many advancements, I think. There was so much that happened in such a short amount of time. We're kind of just stuck with the same shit since then. That and like listening to a lot of like OMD and like, yeah, I think there's just a cool vibe from that era that is kind of super inspiring, you know, just playing around with shit you don't really understand and making a record of you trying to understand it, you know? <laughs> what music don't you and Stefan agree on? Ooh, that's an interesting Good one. Good question. We like, we generally don't disagree on a lot we'd there was a rough patch a while ago where i was like obsessed with blonde by frank ocean like probably like unhealthily obsessed with blonde and <laughs> stefan was like it just sounds like fucking like 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 idol like american idol singing you know just like, oh, 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 oh. i was like no you're you're wrong you're fucking wrong <laughs> like <laughs> we're kind of like yeah we argued a bit about that one He's since come around. I will. I will. I will say. <laughs> everybody does. Everybody does to blonde. Everybody comes around to blonde. <laughs> oh, you gotta. It's kind. Of, yeah. Mm. Yeah. It's amazing. But for the mm. most part, we yeah we pretty much agree on most shit. Like, mm-hmm. I think we probably have things that we like more than the other one. But I think generally, we like just talking about music really and like making a case for it, like about why we like it and why we think it's cool. So I think if Stefan's sitting there being like oh, I think this is cool because blah, blah, blah. I'm like, yeah, yeah, you're right. Like, this is cool. <laughs> like, you know, mm. we're kind of pretty easy to convince one another that something's good. What uh, musical performance did you see and have you attended, which has made you go, oh, I want to bring some of this to Good Morning and I want to perform best performance in my whole life next time I get on stage? When we started, like, I guess it's always kind of a, a thing that, like, on stage performances can be really, like, self-serious and, like, self-aggrandizing. There's nothing wrong with that necessarily. But you can tell when someone's, like, not good at it, <laughs> you know? Like, you can really tell when it doesn't fit. And I'm just, like, I think we both quickly realised that we're not particularly, like, cool people that are, like, going to be able to, like, you know, pull off some, like, mysterious, like, sexy onstage persona. So I think a lot of the shows that we really liked and were sort of gravitated to were, like, bands that were kind of, like, talking shit, just being themselves. There were a lot of dick diver shows around that time that we really liked, Actually, no, yeah, not even Dick Diver, but really that kind of Melbourne music scene in like the oh, the mid 2010s, you know, pretty pretty big for us when we were young adults because they all just seemed like friends. You know, that's kind of what we were doing at home. Like we were just making music with our friends and they were like, oh, then they do it on stage. Like maybe we can do that. So I think that was that was probably a pretty big thing, like seeing just like other bands from around just making music with their friends and somehow people came and saw it for some reason, you know? <laughs> and then getting on the stage and like not transforming into like the Bowie or the Prince thing. It's just like, oh, they're that yeah. person on stage too. Sick. It just seemed like the way to go. Like it seemed a bit more, bit more honest. And like I said, there's like really, there's nothing wrong with, with like doing the Bowie, you know, doing that thing. But I think it's, yeah, it's um kind of underrated to just be like yourself a bit on stage mm. sometimes. That's a beautiful quote. But I love, but I love, I love like, you know, showmanship. It's just, I can't do it. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) Do you guys remember seeing Terry? Remember that, that, like the dig diver sort of spin off? 
at yeah. Meredith. It was on the last day. I was just frantically taking notes about everything that guy was saying. He was making references to to interest rates and <laughs> just like he did this guy on a stream of consciousness thing and just ripping the piss and Al Mopfer just for that. Al Mopfer is the most effortlessly cool person you'll ever watch on stage as well. Everything about that Terry show was just that classic Sunday afternoon Meredith. For people in other states, come come and visit us at Meredith in Golden Plains when when we uh, when we can have these these events. Maybe Golden Plains next year. What do you guys reckon? Yes, no. I reckon it's on. Seems like it's on. Yeah. Are you saying that, Liam, because you know that it's on? Oh, maybe Liam has got a bit of a. No, I don't. I don't. I have. I have I've, I've heard <laughs> rumors. I've I've heard rumors. That's it. You know. But uh. But also, I like, I heard more. rumors that like Meredith was on last year, and look how that turned out. So yeah. <laughs> Yeah. You are going to play uh, South by Southwest 2022. Is this correct, sir? Not anymore, no. We are. We ah. were. We were. But Stefan's brother is getting married and uh, moved the wedding. Generally, rule of thumb in our band is do the, do the family shit, do the personal shit. So we're going to push back South by Southwest. It'll, it'll still be there in a couple of years. It'll still be there. <laughs> I mean, you kind of get gobbled up as well. I think South by Southwest will uh, probably the sweet spot was sort of eight years ago. I think for South by Southwest, I'm sure yeah. people have great time, etc. Mikey, don't say that before they go there. <laughs> no, I mean, I think I think I fully agree. Like it seems, it seems like a, a bit I'm, like I'm trying to spin it. Okay. You know? <laughs> yeah, it seems a little. Uh, it seems a little intense. The way things have gone the last few years, I don't think there's any danger in like being a little bit cautious nah. about how things are gonna pan out over the next six months to a year could mm. be more of this who knows agreed but yeah we are we are still going on tour i hope but it's just been pushed back to april i think so fingers crossed international tour because i know you, i mean you did you know the incredible show at tropicalia festival in la in 2019 and you, you know, do thousand cap rooms overseas which is freaking amazing and um, yeah. will be overseas tour as well yeah, that's the plan. Um, it seems pretty... When and where? It's not confirmed, but yeah, hopefully hopefully North America, like Mexico and Canada. So US, Mexico, Canada in March to May, and then maybe Europe after that. But it's, I mean, obviously it's all pretty reliant on a lot of factors beyond our control. So. You've played in China, you've played in Japan. Like yeah. You've played in some odd places, hey? Yeah, that's kind of one of the other things. Like We like to take these strange opportunities as they come up, you know? So anything that we can sort of do that sounds fun, we'll be like, all right, yeah, fuck yeah. We've ended up in some some strange situations just trying to follow some, like, fun. But, <laughs> yeah, we've been pretty lucky. Any, anywhere Liam and Stefan's individual coaches can park, they'll play. <laughs> because it's just the two of you that can tour and kind of, like, be the band in a lot of instances uh if you if you have to just the two of you then you can you know opens up a lot of travel opportunities you can kind of go wherever yeah well i mean i think we've uh gone to full band territory like pretty much permanently live we've been right. trying like duo sets it's so mean that i knew that you were going to say that <laughs> it's so mean they're a full face when they tour <laughs> <laughs> It would be good if we if we knew how to like be like a, a real band with just the two of us. Actually, no, it wouldn't be good. I like I like hanging with my friends. I like going away with my friends. It's beautiful. I'm but there's really also there's that beautiful set that you did at Long Play, which was just the two of you, and that was it was really fun to see a different side of the band in that way. 
I mean, it's kind of funny almost to say you guys stripped down, but it was almost a repurposing of some of your stuff, which was really awesome. Yeah, I think like the, I mean, during lockdown, we've been recording like another record, like a new record that um Ooh. is pretty, pretty bit more like that way inclined, kind of a bit more like, oh well, yeah, kind of synthy, I guess. But um, yeah, that's sort of like testing the waters for future stuff. I think we've made a few like rock records in a row. Kind of maybe want to try a little something different in the future. But um, I think even then, like we kind of on Barnyard, even like there was that thing where we would be in the studio and it'd be like, I wonder how we're going to play this with four people when there's like eight guitar parts and like all these like keyboards and shit going on. You just figure it out as you go. I like them being different, the live thing and the studio thing anyway. So Barnyard is out through Polyvinyl and Good Morning Music Company Worldwide and Virgin Music Australia on October 22. Do yourselves a favor, get your flappers around it. Friends, the song I'm obsessed with at the moment this is the last question of the uh, of the podcast. It's for the sa- love for the sake of love. It's Claudia Barry from the seventies. It's just this really sensual, slow as fuck disco track. What are the, your two of Marcus and Liam? What are the songs you're obsessed with at the moment? T, go, and then we'll the star of the show can finish off. I always feel, even though you ask this every time, I'm always not ready. Sorry, Mikey. I I always quickly look at like what I've recently been playing in Spotify. I like the new Black Marble record. Do you know oh, the, yeah. Do you know those no. guys? Um, no. US guy slash guys who play sort of like pretty 80s sounding kind of slightly dark new wave stuff. Really dig that. I've gone back into Girls' album called Girls' yeah. album. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Back Amazing. into that li- lately for some reason. That's a great record, that that Girls' album. I love that. That was yeah. huge when I was like, yeah, when I was end of high school. Massive, has- massive one has a real mystery to it. I listened to it heaps when it came out and then I was listening to it again this week and it sounded completely different from how I remembered, but that's cool. still good. And there's some, I don't know, a little bit like we were saying before, like they're not reinventing the wheel, but there's something inextricably about them in that music that you can't replace. And you kind of keep mm. going back to it to yeah. hear that weird world that they created. Absolutely. Mr. Parsons, your time has come. I really like this song. I've got to get my phone too. Uh, it's called "Love Is Love Is a Hurtin' Thing" by Gloria Ann Taylor. Kind of like a disco sort of vibe. I got into it because we were talking about it the other day. Because James, who plays in the band, is really into soul music and has a massive record collection and knows a lot more about music in general than than me. And he played it at a DJ set once, and I knew it because it was sampled in this song by US Girls. And I was like, oh, yeah. I'd been meaning to, I'd been meaning to ask him for like a few months what that song was that he played, and I asked him the other day, and he showed it to me. So I've been listening to that a lot. It's really good. Oh yeah. That and the Hate Rock, the last Hate Rock record, I really like. Oh yeah. Like Rhinestones. Cool. Is it the new one yeah. that's just come out? Yeah, it's cool. It's really like, it's kind of like acoustic <laughs> vibes. It's like dubby folk music. It's strange. I like it. Unreal. Yeah. Yeah. Take that back. National yeah. treasures. Absolutely. Holy smokes. Very cool. We'll have to get them on the show. Thank you very much for being on our show today, Liam. We just got a text from Courtney saying, how's the show going? You're up to an hour and 51 minutes. (laughs) (laughs) I'm talking too much shit, though. It's a uh, producer's dream, this show. Uh, Very, very good. (laughs) Really appreciate it, my friend. And yeah, let's let's have a beer in, in person, wherever you are in Australia or in the world listening to this. Stay connected. 
be lovely to each other. Um, thank you very much, Marcus Teague, as well, for being with us today. Thanks, Marcus. Sorry, sorry thank- for throwing you under the bus when you repeated the same thing three times. <laughs> That's all right. I'll get I'll get Courtney to cut it out. Thanks, Court. Wonderful. All right. Thanks, guys. Be well, everybody. See you later. Thanks, that was a pleasure. Bye. See you guys. Fun. See you soon. See ya. Bye bye.